Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this fall. And now, here is OTR Rob. Hey everyone, it's OTR Rob welcoming you to Gunsmoke. This episode is from July 11th. 1953, the episode is entitled Grass, and I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, in this episode of Gunsmoke, there's a Easterner that has come out to live near Dodge City. He's from Boston originally, and he's scared to death of Indians. And he claims that Indians are sneaking around his place at night. At least that's what Chester says when he was talking to Marshall Dillon in the bar. His name is Mr. Pope. And eventually, and Mr. Pope talks to Matt Dillon. And Matt Dillon suggests that Mr. Pope should feel better if he gets himself a gun. And that leads to this. Marshall Dillon. Oh, hello, honey. You know Doc Adams here in that oh, honeymoon. Sure. Oh, how do you do? How do you uh, do? Sit down. Yeah. Bad news, Marshal. Oh? You know that new fella, that Harry Pope? Uh, yeah, I met him a couple of days ago. You're going to meet him again, Marshal. Now, what do you mean? He killed Joe Carter last night. What? Carter's worked for me a long time. One of the best friends I ever had. Buried him this morning. Well, where did this happen? Did, did they have a fight? Hope shot him in cold blood, that's all. Out near that hut of his. Blasted Easterner. I'm looking forward to seeing him hung. Were you there, Honeyman? No. Then how do you know Pope shot him? Well, Earl Brandt was there. He brought Joe's body back to the ranch. Uh, Brandt works for you, too, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah not so long as Joe. Huh? Tell me what happened. I did. Pope murdered Joe Carter. So enjoyed this episode of Gunsmoke from July 11th, 1953, and I'll be back with the introduction for Frontier Gentlemen. I met a justice of the peace in Wyoming Territory and saw two kinds of justice done. Hello? Is anybody here? Come in. Well, something I can get you? You are Mrs. Amy Robinson? The same. My name is J.B. Kendall. I'm a newspaper correspondent for the London Times. Now, what in the name of sins a London Times correspondent doing in Dry Creek? You're the reason, Mrs. Robinson. I think a great many women in England would be interested in reading about a female justice of the peace. You being flippity? No. No, not at all. I'm quite serious. And that's how this episode starts for this installment of Frontier Gentlemen. And the episode is from July 13th, 1958. And enjoy the show, and I'll be back next week. Oh, no! 
around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad, the transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. That's Harry Pope over at the bar there, Mr. Dillon. A little short fellow. Yeah. Where'd he tell you he's from, Chester? Boston. Or near there. Yeah, he's a long way from home. Yes, sir. Well, it, it seems his wife died, and, and he wanted to move somewhere else. So he come out here about four months ago and built himself a little sod hut out on the prairie. Planted some corn, and now he's trying to raise a few hogs. That's all. And he's scared of death, huh? Yes, sir. That's what he told me. Well, if he's going to live out here, he's got to learn. Mr. Dillon, why don't you talk to him? Maybe you could explain it to him. I'll call him over, huh? Uh, from what he's told you, I don't think anybody could explain it. It's all in his head. Uh, Harry? Hey, uh, Harry, come here. Hello, Chester. Oh, Harry. Uh, this is Marshal Dillon, uh, Harry Pope. How do you do, Mr. Pope? Uh, won't you sit on? <laughs> Nobody ever called me Mr. Marshal. All right. Uh, Chester tells me you've been worried lately. It's the Indians, Marshal. They come scratching around at night, and, and they, they hoop and holler some, too. Yeah, I know. Um... Tell me, do they uh, do this every night? No, sir. But uh, maybe once a week they do. Ah. Well, what makes you think they're Indians, Pope? Uh, I can hear them, that's why. I've got a good stout door or they'd have been in on me a long time ago. You know what coyotes sound like? They ain't coyotes. I can hear them talk. Oh? Well, what do they say? They just yell. I can't understand it. But I asked Chester here if maybe the army wouldn't come out and run them off. Marshal, if they ever catch me outside my hut, I'll be done for. Uh, Pope, let me tell you something. If what you've been hearing was Indians, you'd have been done for a long time ago. Indians don't just scratch around at night like that, and they don't come whooping and hollering like that either. Now, you've heard talk about Indians, and... Well, you're scared of them, and well, maybe your imagination's done the rest. No, sir. Them are Indians. They're right there. I, I can hear them talking, I tell you. Well, then why don't you shoot them? Well, I, I don't have a gun. What? Uh, figured that'd just make it worse, Marshal, if I started shooting at them. Well, do you know how to shoot? Oh, yes. I, I learned in the Army. Well, then you better get a gun. 
A man needs one out here, folks. And besides, if you go out of your hut after them, the next time they come, you'll see what I mean. But uh, if I kill any of them, don't you think they'll go after their whole tribe? Uh, no, Pope, I don't think they will. Well, all right, Marshal, I'll try it. I'll get me a gun today. Chester said not to wait for him. He'd have supper later. Oh, what's he doing, Doc? He's talking. Talking? To a girl, man. And a pretty girl. <laughs> and he was doing all the talking when I left. She just stood there shaking her head. <laughs> Smart girl. Oh, I don't know, Matt. Chester's young yet. And may not be real handsome, but at least he's not old and mean. Did you ever try to borrow a dollar from him, Doc? Yeah, and I did, too. Of course, I had to pay him back a dollar and a dime the next day. <laughs> but it was easy. I didn't have to lift a finger. He came right up to my office after. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's got about eight of my dimes. <laughs> well, he's smart, that's all. Marshal Gillen. Oh, hello, Honeyman. You know Doc Adams here and that oh, Honeyman. Sure. Oh, how do you do? How do you uh, do? Sit down. Yep. Bad news, Marshal. Oh? You know that new feller, that Harry Pope? Uh, yeah, I met him a couple of days ago. I'm going to meet him again, Marshal. Now, what do you mean? He killed Joe Carter last night. What? Carter's worked for me a long time. One of the best friends I ever had. They buried him this morning. Well, where did this happen? Did, did they have a fight? Pope shot him in cold blood, that's all. Out near that hut of his. Blasted Easterner. I'm looking forward to seeing him hung. Were you there, Honeyman? No. Then how do you know Pope shot him? Well, Earl Brandt was there. He brought Joe's body back to the ranch. Ah. Brandt works for you, too, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Not so long as Joe. Oh, tell me what happened. I did. Pope murdered Joe Carter. They was riding by that dirty little sodbuster's hut last night. He come out and he shot Joe and he killed him. Well, maybe it was a mistake, honey. Oh, you don't kill men by mistake, Marshal. Well, now you going to arrest him? Well, right out first thing in the morning. He might run. No, he won't run. He wouldn't know how. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's right. Okay, Marshal. <laughs> Ain't much of a place Pope's got here, is it? Well, he's only had a few months, Chester. Yeah. Besides, he's new to this country. There he is. Over by the hog pen. Oh, yeah. Marshal? Chester? Hello, Harry. Pope. Yeah, Marshal? 
They was back again, all right. Night before last. Who was Pope? Well, them Indians. But I came outside and shot at them, like you said, and they rode off. I just hope the whole tribe don't come out after me now. Uh, Pope, how many Indians were there? It, just two. That's all I saw, anyway. Uh, you say you shot at them. Did you hit them? Well, I, I couldn't tell. It was uh, too dark. I tried to, though. Well, tell me what happened, Pope. Well, sir, I, I heard him just like before. So I got my gun and I loaded it. Then I yelled at him. I don't know if they heard me, but they put a couple of shots into my hut there. Then I opened the door just a little bit, and I heard one of them riding off right over that way. I took a couple of shots at him, and then the other one started shooting at me from somewhere, so I ducked inside again and waited. But uh, they didn't come back. At least not yet, they ain't. No. I sure hope you're right about them not bringing the whole tribe, Marsha. Pope. Those weren't Indians. Oh, Marshal, why do you keep saying that? I know better. They were two men who worked for Ned Honeyman, and one of them, Joe Carter. You killed him. What? Earl Brandt was the other man. He took Carter's body back to the Honeyman Ranch. He did? I'm afraid you made a bad mistake, Pope. Oh, but, but uh, how do you know about this, Marshal? Ned Honeyman told me. He, uh, he could be lying. Honeyman has his faults, but lying isn't one of them. Then you believe I killed that man? It looks that way. Well, I, I don't know what to say, Marshal. Pope, has there been any trouble between you and these men? Oh, no, sir. No, I, I hardly know them. They've ridden by a few times, that's all, but I wouldn't have shot at them if I'd known who they was. Except it, it couldn't have been them. They were shooting at my hut first. Well, it just don't make any sense at all. I think he's telling the truth, Mr. Dillon. Uh, you going to arrest me, Marshal? Well, the Indians that you've been hearing around your place don't exist, Pope. Indians just don't act that way. And Well, I, I believe you think you've been hearing them. Maybe it's getting worse with you. And so the other night you heard those men riding by and well, you just started shooting. You think I'm crazy, don't you? I don't think you intentionally murdered Carter, if that's any help. Then you're not going to arrest me? No, I'm, I'm not. Maybe we ought to go talk to that fellow, Brand, huh? No, it's better if they come to us, Chester. And they will. He and Honeyman both. Yeah. Now, don't get scared and try to run, Pope. You wouldn't get very far. I won't, Marshal. Chester. Now, you were right. They're in town already. I saw them on the way here. Oh, good. 
I think Brant knows something he hasn't told Honey Manchester. Maybe we can get it out of him. I hope so. I sure do feel sorry for that poor little fellow, Pope. Even if he is crazy. I'm not so sure he's crazy. But anyway, we'll soon find out. Yes, sir. Here they are. Good morning, Marshal. Good morning, Chester. Good morning, Mr. Honeyman. Uh, this here is Earl Brand I brought with me. Hi, I do, Earl. Mr. Brand. Marshal, I figured uh, you'd want Brand's report from the tribe. Me and Carter were good friends. I aimed to see a Yankee sodbuster hung. All right, Brent. Tell me about it. Nothing to it, Marshal. Me and Carter was riding past his place. He come out and started shooting at us. He killed Carter, and I took a couple of shots at him and drove him back inside that hut of his, and I packed Carter onto the ranch. Will you swear to that in court, Brent? Oh, of course he will. Well, why shouldn't I, Marshal? That little murderer been telling you something else? Yeah. He thought he was shooting at Indians. What? Oh, that miserable dog. Now, you weren't there, Honeyman. How do you know what happened? Well, Brant told me what happened. Who else would have shot Carter? Brant, why do you think Pope shot at you? I don't know, Marshal. He's crazy, I guess. Is that all? Well, that's enough, isn't it, Marshal? Look, he killed Joe Carter. Now, what difference it made? The difference between murder and something else, Honeyman. Well, bring him in here and, and ask him. That's... I'll beat the truth out of him if he lies. He isn't here. What? I didn't arrest him. Well, why not, Marshal? He said he thought they were Indians, and I believe him. You mean you ain't going to arrest him at all? Not until I find out what this is all about. Well, I told you what it's all about. Come on, honeyman, let's get out of here. Oh, wait a minute. Marshal. Marshal, no man can kill a friend of mine and claim he thought he was shooting Indians. What's the matter with you, anyway? You think I'd let anybody get by with that? Carter was my friend, too. If the law won't see justice done, we will. Now, I'm warning you. You try to kill Pope, and I'll arrest you. And if you do kill him, you'll hang for it. Well, I always thought you was a good man, Marshal. And I always respected you. But now oh, I'm... Oh, be- shut up, Ned. Brant, why don't you tell the truth? Whatever it is, why don't you tell it? We're wasting time. All right, my guess is you and Carter have been hounding that man, making him think there have been Indians after him. Now, why? Were you trying to drive him out of the country? Why, Brant? Your talk gets crazier all the time, Marshal. I'm leaving, Honeyman. For the last time, Marshal, you're going to do anything about Carter's murder? It wasn't murder, Honeyman. Don't you see that now? He's dead and Pope shot him. That's all I know. That's all I need to know. Come on, Brant. <laughs> Turn for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, tomorrow night, man your armchair action stations and join Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. There's danger in Dick Diamond's fist, dynamite to blast him through sudden lethal moments in his investigations. When he starts closing in, his enemies fight deadly and dirty. But nothing stops Richard Diamond, private detective. Hear him again tomorrow night on most of these same CBS radio stations. Now the second act of Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. 
afternoon, I rode out to see Pope. It was a bad situation, and I did a lot of thinking about it. There was only one solution I could figure out, and I wasn't sure it'd work. I found Pope weeding a few miserable rows of corn he'd planted out in front of the small bluff against which he had his pig pens and his hut built. I got down, walked over to him. Well, Marshal, have you changed your mind? No, I haven't. Good. Look, Pope, I, I don't know why they did it, but Carter and Brant were the Indians you thought you heard. They were trying to scare you for some reason. I know. What? Well, I've been thinking a lot about what you said, Marshal. And I figure you know what Indians are like and that you wasn't lying to me. So it must have been Carter and Brandt. Well, have you thought of any reason why they were doing it? No, sir. None at all. Honeyman and Brandt want you arrested, Pope. You going to do it? I have no reason to. But they're threatening to take it into their own hands. Can't you stop them? I can't arrest them for talk. Listen, Pope. Now, you won't like this, but... It'd be better if you left here. Now, it isn't your fault, but you've got enemies now, and you'd be a whole lot safer somewhere else. No. No, I won't leave. Let them come. I'll fight it out with them. Well, it'll just mean more bloodshed. Well, like you said, Marshal, it ain't my fault. And the man's got a right to defend himself. Yes, I know. But you won't have any peace here. You'll start jumping at shadows. I won't leave, Marshal. Well, all right. But think it over anyway. I have. I'm sorry about this, Pope. Thank you, Marshal. So long. Goodbye, Marshal. Pope went back to weeding his corn, and I rode off past his little hut and around the narrow bluff he'd built it against. I'd gone maybe half a mile beyond when I heard two rifle shots behind me. I turned and raced back to the bottom edge of the bluff where I dismounted and walked up to where I could see around it. And just then I heard a horse coming along the trail and I stepped back and waited. Whoever it was would pass within a few feet of me. I got the drop on you, Brian. Don't shoot. Now keep your hands up. Now throw one leg over and slide off. Slow. How long you been here, Marshal? Turn around. All right, you can put your hands down. I might as well tell you, Marshal. I just shot that Yankee sodbuster. Well, that's something to be real proud of, Brent. He killed a friend of mine. Pope meant no harm to either one of you. What were you trying to do to him, you and Carter? We were just having a little fun, that's all. Fun? There's no use lying now, Marshal. There never was. Well, we'd have a drink or two and ride over now and then, give him a few war hoops. He'd just sit in his hut and shake. 
One night I sneaked up the door. I could even hear him crying inside. <laughs> he was sure scared that time. Yeah, that must have been a lot of fun. Not as much the next day when we'd ride back and hear all about how the Indians were after him. I even wanted the Army to come out and run him off. I know. Been all right if he hadn't gone and bought himself a gun. I advised him to. You did? I'm sorry if I spoiled your fun, Brent. Carter's dead because of you. Does Honeyman know about this? I told him I was going to get Pope is all. And he agreed? He just said he sure hoped somebody get him. All right, Brent, let's go bury him. I ain't going to bury him. Let him rot. You'll bury him. Or I'll bury both of you. Now you take your choice. You mean that, Marshal? Get moving. Sure. It was too late to try to teach Brandt anything, but Ned Honeyman was a different matter. I wanted to be sure he understood what really happened. Otherwise, he'd spread the word against me and against the law. And there were a lot of men who'd be glad to listen to it. We buried Pope near his little hut and then rode into Dodge. I kept off Front Street and rode up to the jail from the rear. Chester was waiting inside. My gracious, Mr. Dillon, I thought you'd never get back. Hey, hello, Mr. Brand. Lock him up, Chester. What? He murdered Harry Pope. Then I'll gladly lock him up. Right back through that door, Mr. Brandt. Yeah. He says Honeyman's still in Dodge. Have you seen him, Chester? Well, Doc, I'm over at the Alphaganza a little while ago. I'll be over there, then. Yes, sir. All right, Mr. Brandt, you just head on back. I don't want to hear it. No, I don't think you do. What? I've been talking to Brant. He's told me the whole story. Where is he, anyway? He told me that he and Carter have been having fun, as they called it, with Pope. Making him think they were Indians. Well, you told him that this morning. He admits it now. I don't believe it. And even if they had... Is that reason enough to kill a man? Pope was acting in self-defense. He wouldn't have shot Carter otherwise. It was a mistake. But Carter brought it on himself. I don't believe it. Honeyman, do you want the law in this country or not? Well, maybe that depends on who's represented. It doesn't matter. The law is the same. Well, now the law says you can't kill a man and go free. Now, don't it? It says you can't murder a man. Well, who decides which it is, Marshal? You or me? I'd like you to decide this time, Honeyman. You mean that? Yeah. All right, Marshal. You go and arrest Pope and get him hung. 
That's how I've decided. Pope's dead. What? You wanted him killed and he's been killed. What do you mean? You said this morning you'd take justice into your own hands, didn't you? Well, yes. Well, it worked. Pope's dead. How do you know? He was out weeding that little patch of corn he planted. I think he planned to feed his pigs with it, mostly. And he took two rifle bullets in the back. Who did it? Are you satisfied, Honeyman? Is that how you wanted Who it? Who did it, Marshal? All I Pope asked had you. was a sod hut and a few pigs. He didn't know what this country was all about. He might have learned, but your friends got him so scared, Brandt told me, that he'd sit in his hut and cry. Look, I... And then one night he loaded his gun and he went outside to fight. That took a lot of courage, Honeyman, for a man like Pope. But he did it. Today I told him he'd better leave his place, that you and Brandt had threatened him and would give him trouble. What did he say? He said he wouldn't go. He said he'd stay and fight. And so he did. He stayed. He didn't get a chance to fight. What's a man like Pope know about protecting himself? Brandt shot him in the back. Twice. All Pope had in his hands was a hoe. Marshal. I don't know what to say. Brant's in jail. I'm going to see him tried for murder. And he'll be hung. Yeah, but... I guess I'm just as guilty as he is. You could have stopped it. But you encouraged it. You wanted justice done, Honeyman, and fast. Well, I didn't understand. You didn't take time to. The law was too slow for you. I'm not very proud of what's happened. The law's new out here, Honeyman. Sometimes I think the only time people want it is when it seems to act the way they would act themselves if there weren't any law. But it won't work that way. According to the law, you're right or you're wrong. You're guilty or not guilty. People out here have had a hard time accepting that. But there won't be much law till they do. And men like Pope will go on dying. No matter how many brands get hung for it. Marshal, would it, uh, would it help? Would it help the law if I get up in court and, and, and take my share of the blame for this? Yeah. Yeah, honey, when did it help? Well, I'll do it. Good. I'd be proud to buy you a drink, Honeyman. Oh, sure, Marshal. I thank you. Sam, set out two glasses. (laughs) 
Gunsmoke, transcribed under the direction of Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin as Ned Honeyman, Ralph Moody as Harry Pope, and Harry Bartell as Brant. Harley Bear as Chester, and Howard McNear as Doc. Gunsmoke has been selected by the Armed Forces Radio Service to be heard by our troops overseas. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Moliere wrote a delightful comedy about a man who was not a doctor, but whose wife kept telling everybody he was a physician in spite of himself. Here at this Monday night, when most of these same stations present the Summer Theater with screen actor Robert Young in the starring role. And remember, for suspense all summer, hear Crime Classics Mondays on the CBS Radio Network. a justice of the peace in Wyoming Territory and saw two kinds of justice done. Frontier Gentlemen. Herewith, an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his purple and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall. Frontier Gentlemen. <laughs> South Pass District of Wyoming Territory, there is a mining settlement called Dry Creek. Carrie Chase, editor of the Cheyenne Daily Press, had mentioned the fact that a new justice of the peace had been appointed to Dry Creek. This in itself was not particularly newsworthy, except for the fact that the J.P. was a woman, Mrs. Amy Robinson, and as far as we could determine, one of the first of her sex such an office in the United States. 300... The West, and a few days later, found me in Dry Creek. I had expected to see the usual rip-roaring mining community and was surprised to find instead an atmosphere of complete contrast. There was an oppressive quiet to the place. Small groups of men stood here and there, talking in low tones, pausing as I walked by to stare at me suspiciously. Outside the assayer's office, I saw two miners coming out and stopped to ask them directions. A uh, stranger around here, ain't you? Yes. 
And how come you want to talk with the justice of the peace? Well, I should think that's a matter between the lady and myself. Are you a friend of Mrs. Robinson? No. Are you a lawyer, fellow? No. She's down the street there, runs the general store. Thank you. You see, we, we don't like strangers asking questions around here. So I gathered. Good afternoon. Hey, you tell Mrs. Robinson we ain't changed our minds neither. That red dog, he's going to get a stiff rope and a short drop no matter what she says. Hello? Is anybody here? Come in. Well, something I can get you. You are Mrs. Amy Robinson? The same. My name is J.B. Kendall. I'm a newspaper correspondent for the London Times. Now, what in the name of sins a London Times correspondent doing in Dry Creek? <laughs> You're the reason, Mrs. Robinson. I think a great many women in England would be interested in reading about a female justice of the peace. You being flippity? No. No, not at all. I'm quite serious. Well, you got to excuse me. There's a lot of folks hereabouts ain't taking my appointment to heart. I think perhaps I met one of them on my way here. Oh, who? Oh, a miner. He suggested that I tell you that they haven't changed their minds. I, I get the feeling that there's some discussion about a hanging. Your feeling's oh. correct, mister. Sheriff Goaty's got the accused locked up and waiting for trial. Jack Red Dog's a fella, Arapaho Indian. There's them says he done murder. Killed big-nosed George Haney's brother, Ike. That's what they say. I see. Well, uh, when does the trial take place? Soon as I can get a jury to sit. There ain't no man in Dry Creek will do it. You can't get a jury, huh? Well, uh, come on in the back. I was just making some coffee. Uh-huh. Here, take a chair, Mr. Kendall. Uh. You see, before all this happened, I was... Widow Robinson, who ran the general store. Folks is decent and nice to me. Then I get appointed justice of the peace, and it's like I got the epidemic. Just because I'm a woman is all. Well, I tell you something. This here Jack Red Dog case is my first, and I aim to see fair trial done, whether they like it or not. Oh, thank you. Uh, what about the talk of hanging? Well, that's big-nosed George and Tip Butler. They're trying to get the fellas riled up to take the Indian out and string him up without a trial. And from the looks of the men as I came into town, they seem to be making some headway. Well, they ain't going to do it. I swore to uphold the peace and justice in the community and fight... Amy. Amy, you there? Was oh, that you, Sheriff? Yeah. Well, come on back. Now you better come out yourself. Oh. Uh. Oh, this fellow's name of Kendall. Come to do some writing about me. Mr. Kendall, meet Harry Goaty, sheriff of Dry Creek. Harry sheriff, Kendall. how do you do? Yeah, things ain't getting on so good, Amy. I've been thinking it might be better if I take Red Dog over to Rock Springs till he get this thing settled. You're doing no such thing, Harry Goaty. Now, listen to me, Amy. Big Nose George ain't fooling. He's fixing to take that Indian out and hang him. How do you know that? Well, he wants me to join up with him and the other boys to do it. What did you tell him, Sheriff? Now, Amy, no sense going on the prod. I'm just telling you what they aim to do. I ain't courting trouble. That's why I'm saying I want to get Jack Red Dog out of here. And have him tried somewhere else? Show that I can't run a trial in my own town? That nobody ain't got no respect for a justice of the peace in Dry Creek because she's a woman? 
Oh, no, sir. No, sir, Harry Goaty. I'm telling you, I'm ordering you as sheriff to protect that engine till it's time to call the trial. I'll do my best. You know that, Amy, but there's going to be trouble. Well, then get yourself a couple of deputies. Can't. Ain't having none of it. Well, what about Dollar Bill Orpin? He's up in the hills. So it's the whole town, huh? I told you, Amy. I told you they wouldn't stand for a woman judge. You didn't believe me. And I told you a woman's got as much right as a man. Not in a man's work, Shane, Amy. What do you want, Big Nose? We're a committee. We come here to tell you... Tell me what? That engine's guilty. We already tried it. Not legal, you didn't. We found him guilty, didn't we, boys? Now we ain't got nothing against you, Right now I'm declaring court's in session, boys. The name's Judge Robinson. Now, go ahead and say your piece, but I'll remind you about contempt. All right, Judge. Your Honor, we just saved you the trouble of holding a trial. What do you mean? Well, now, Tip's saying that that engine red dog shot my brother, and we're going to use him to trim a tree. That's lynching. Begin the law, Big Nose. Now, keep out of this, will you, Goaty? Ain't nothing you can do about it. It's you and her again, all of us. And me. Who are you? Kendall, deputy sheriff. Hey, since when? Listen, this fella just waltzed into town and asked the way to Amy. That's contempt, Tip Butler. It's Judge Robinson. Ten dollars or two days in the Hooskow. <laughs> oh, come on now, Amy. Ain't no use. Twenty dollars or five days. This fella ain't no deputy. Sure he is. Goaty just swore him in, didn't you, Sheriff? I sure did. Twenty dollars or five days, Butler? Which is it? Well, which is it to be, Butler? Now, that'll cost you another ten. Pick up that money and hand it over. You make me, Amy Robinson. You go ahead. Anybody's got ideas of starting something over this, just remember there's only two of you, Sheriff. Now, I wouldn't want Miss Amy here to get hurt. So, supposing you all just stay in here till we finish what we got to do with that there engine killer. All right, come on, boys. Goaty, you've got to stop them. Well, they got a right to go on down the jailhouse if they've a mind to. They'll get Jack Red Dog. No, they won't. I took them out before I come here. Hit them. Oh, I want to thank you, mister, for standing by us. Of course, you ain't made many friends doing it. Oh, I didn't expect to. Uh, what's going to happen when they find the Indians gone? Oh, they'll come looking for me. Now, Amy, you, you've seen how things are. I'll be taking Red Dog to Rock Springs. Oh, no. There ain't no pack of cussed hardtails going to stampede me. Uh, at this point, I'm inclined to agree with the sheriff. We can't fight the whole town. You'll both sell me out, huh? Because I'm a woman. You won't stand up against them. Oh, it ain't that at all. What, then? I took my oath to uphold what's right. You did the same, Harry Goaty. And I'll do it, too. But this ain't the way. The engine's as good as dead if he stays in town. No sense whittle-wanging, Amy. My job's to protect Red Dog till he comes to trial. I'm going to do just that. Uh, Kendall, you want to be a deputy? No fooling? If you need me. Oh, I need you. You're sworn as of right now. Got a horse? No, I came in on the stage. We'll get you one. Amy, yeah? as soon as I get the engine to Rock Springs, I'll be back. Let's go, Kendall. All right. Stable's just across the road. Better keep your eyes skinned. 
You know how to use that blue lightning you're carrying? I've used a gun before. I sure hope you don't have to today. All of them fellas is my friends in better times. Where's the Indian? Hid out in the stable. You think he's still there? If he ain't, he's taking a mighty big wagon with him. I handcuffed him to a wheel. I figure by now old Big Nose George is a-busting his gut down to the jailhouse. We'll have to plumb light a shuck out of here. Hey, Jack. Yes? Well, Injun, you don't know how close you are to catching the rope croup. Oh, uh, we'll take them two horses already saddled, Kendall. Jack will ride with me. Uh, right. Good Easy, as... boy. You don't go to let them hang Easy, rest off. I know kill like Haney. Come on, we'll now. get you over to Rock Springs. If you're going to hang, you'll hang legal, that's for sure. Which one do you want me to ride, Sheriff? Uh, take the roan. He's a salty devil, but if you can handle him, he's a lot of horse. All right, now, let's lead him out. That's just fine, Goaty. Now, you boys, stop right there, unless you want us to start throwing lead. Well, sir, I guess you figured you was right smart, didn't you, Sheriff? This engine's in my custody, boys. I'm warning you. Yeah, don't you worry none about that, Goaty. We'll take care of him and that engine, boy. He's going to be the guest of honor's drink party. Ain't your red dog? In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. Some people believe only in what they want to believe. The vast majority of us, however, are prepared to examine the facts. Now, that, in a nutshell, explains the widespread popularity CBS newsman Alan Jackson enjoys. Six days a week, get the story as it happens, as most of these CBS radio stations present Alan Jackson and the news. And now, we return you to the Anthony Ellis production of Frontier Gentlemen. We stood near the door of the stable, Sheriff Godey, Jack Red Dog, and myself. The Indian's face was bathed in a shaft of dust-speckled sunlight. I noticed a scar running from the bridge of his nose across his cheek. His eyes were very dark, frightened. A dozen or more men crowded into the entrance, two or three carrying rifles, the others drawn guns. Big Nose George Haney and Tip Butler took our gun belts away from us. You can't do it, boys. Want to bet on a goatee? Why not give the man a trial? If he's guilty, he deserves to He's guilty right enough, ain't no doubt. A couple of you boys help me get a rope over that beam. It'll be murder, Tip. Oh, can't murder an Indian, Sheriff. They just plain dying which way. Nobody's accountable killing an Indian. Are you afraid to give him a trial? I told you, mister, we'd done it. Not legal, you didn't. Not legal. That's how come we got a justice of the peace. Woman justice, you know better than that, Goaty. I ain't a-shouting for suffrage, but she was appointed. Now, boss, you aren't. My in-law's good enough for me. Mr. Big Nose, I don't kill your brother. I was asleep that night with Red Eye, much whiskey. You ask Tip Butler. I'd be asking the wrong feller. Because he's the one seen you do it. That's fact. Ike Haney and Red Dog friends. Red Dog didn't have need for killing. He was drunk, Jack. He shot him in the back. I saw it. Let's get it over with, boys. Uh, bring him over. <laughs> no, no. They're my son, my woman. Who cared for them? Give him a chance. 
Maybe Butler was mistaken. Sure, it was dark, Tip. Might have been another Indian, somebody else. I see him with my own eyes, I'm telling you. Well, if you saw him, why didn't you catch him then? Instead of waiting till morning, you and Big Nose sending me over to arrest him. Like you said, it was dark. Couldn't catch him. Tie his hands back of him, Tommy. Oh, I, I, I give you my claim. Much gold in it. All yours. You let me go. Engine, if you got to die, die like a man. This ain't no time to crawl. Well, give you a chance. Say a prayer. Got an Indian prayer on you? How many white men you kill without they get a chance for prayer, huh? I kill no man. Except my brother. That's enough for the hang. All right, help me get him up on a horse. You can't. It's lynching, and we're finished with that. Listen yeah. to me. No, no, hang. No, no, no. Take your hands off him. Put away the scatter gun, Amy. This ain't no concern of yourn. What's got to be done has got to be. Sheriff, take your prisoner down off that horse. Walk him up to the jailhouse. Get her! Oh, oh. Take your hands off. Stay right where you are, mister. All right, now get on with it. Wait. Wait now. If you do this thing, Every one of you will be as guilty as you think the Indian is. I feel no guilt, mister. My brother's got his lamp blowed out, but this here Rappaho, I ain't feel no guilt. Then why not let the law decide? You're the law, all of you. Given the right to defend himself, form your jury, prosecute him. But not this way. He's right. Listen to him. He's wrong. Dead wrong. He ain't even American, that fancy talk and all. You shut your mouth, mister, or you go with the engine. So long, Jack. <laughs> If you see my brother, you tell him hello to me, They didn't look at Jack Red Dog when they finally cut him down. As they tried not to. Nor could they look at each other. One spoke of getting a drink, and the others agreed that a man could work up quite a thirst at a lynching. The shaft of sunlight fell on the dead man's frayed moccasin. I sure hope he was guilty. Would that make it better? He spoke of a wife and child. Yeah, they live up behind the Black Canyon diggings. I'm thinking it's my fault. All of this. It ain't your fault, Amy. Maybe it happened because a woman was made justice of the peace. They was forced to do what they did. If it'd been a man, maybe they'd have listened to him. They don't want to hear a woman's words. Not in a man's world. You did what you could. It wouldn't have made any difference. They were bound to hang him. Mostly, I think, because he was an Indian. Well, I'll take him up to his wife. Better time on the horse. No. I'll bring my wagon. Put him in that. He rode his last horse. Well, we, we will help you hitch it up. Hey, Goaty. Oh, that's Dollar Bill Orpin. Howdy. Hey, I hear him and Jack Red Dog's in the Who's Dog for shooting I can't eat. That's so. Not anymore, it ain't Dollar Bill. He's in there. He just had us a necktie party. Hey, no, that ain't so good. How come? Bet you was justice of the peace, Mrs. Robinson. I thought so, too. 
Well, he sure had not have done that. Rappahoot Jack, he didn't kill nobody. What do you mean? I mean just that, stranger. Night A. Caney was killed, Jack Red Dog come around to my diggings looking for whiskey. He was sure high lonesome. I told him, I said, Jack, you don't need no more bug juice. You better go lie down summers before you slip and fall in the canyon and break your fool neck. Well, man, he was so drunk he fell down three times going down the hill to his wiki up. Dropped his gun. Hey, I got it right here. So if he shot Ike, he did it with somebody else's thumbbuster. He was telling the truth. He said he was asleep, drunk when it happened. Yeah, and Tip says he saw him shoot. Funny how certain he was about that. Sheriff? You swear in Dollar Bill right now as deputy. You're sworn, Bill. I swear. Want to have some fun? We're going down to the saloon. Let me tap my mule. I'll be right along. There'll be no more drinking. Court's in session. Oh, go on home, Amy. We don't One want One more to... word out of you, big nose, and I'll have you rested. Oh. Your Honor, may I speak for the court? Yes, sir. You go ahead. This court is going to investigate two murders. One, the shooting of Ike Haney by persons unknown. And two, the strangulation of Jack Red Dog committed by those present. He's loco. Sit up another round of drinks. Sheriff, arrest that man for contempt. Tip Butler, you make a move and I'll blow your head off. Now go on, Mr. Kendall. We have a witness to the fact that the Indian Jack Red Dog may have been telling the truth when he said that he was asleep at the time of Haney's murder. You're lying. No, he ain't. I seen him that night. He was so drunk he couldn't have plugged nothing. Besides, he didn't have no gun. I sure he did. I seen him. You saw him shoot? Yeah, I saw. How many times did he fire? Uh, three, four. It was dark? Uh, dark. And you were close enough to recognize Jack Red Dog? Yeah, yeah, I was close enough. What did he do with his gun after he shot Haney? Uh, he, uh, he threw it away. Uh, no, 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 he put it back in his belt. Which? Uh, Listen, mister, I don't have to answer no fancy law wrangler questions. Yes, you do. You're a witness in this trial. Answer the questions, Tip. Did he throw away the gun? Uh, no. Sheriff, when you arrested Red Dog, did he have a gun? Nope. Of course he didn't. He dropped it up to my diggings tonight. Haney was bushwhacked. I got it right here. How come... How come you had time to see Red Dog shoot Ike three times... Put the gun back in his belt and not do nothing about it, Tip. I, I told you it was dark. I, I couldn't catch him. But it wasn't too dark to see him. Uh, that's right. How close were you? I don't know. A few feet, I guess. How come you didn't start shooting yourself, Tip? I never got the chance, Big Nose. What was you doing? Just watching? No. How come you was up there anyway, snooping around Ike's diggings that night? Well, Ike and me was going partners. We was going to talk about it. Ike never said nothing to me about another partner. Uh, he, he was going to. Is that why you shot him? 
because he wouldn't take you in? Oh, it was me. It was that engine. Uh, Ike and me was talking, and Red Dog sneaks up and shoots Ike. You told me you never got a chance to talk to Ike. When you got to him, he was already laid out dead. Well, I, I, I mean that. Uh... What you mean is that you bushwhacked Ike. Your own self. Put away your gun, Haney. My brother. You did it, Tip. No, 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 don't. Hey. I'm sorry I missed. I should have killed you, Haney. Sheriff, take Tip over to the jailhouse and hold him for murder. I didn't attend the trial of Tip Butler for the murder of Haney's brother. The jury that lynched Jack Red Dog found Butler guilty. Justice of the Peace Amy Robinson pronounced sentence, and I heard a few days ago, the man was hanged. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis, and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Paula Winslow, Jack Moyles, Lou Krugman, Jack Crucian, and Tom Holland. Congratulations to CBS radio affiliate WVAM Altoona, Pennsylvania, observing its 10th anniversary this month. again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentleman. Bud Sewell speaking.